My friends, buckle up. I'm a little fired up today, I have to say. And I went to the abortion clinic early yesterday morning while it was still dark. A beautiful metaphor what I think really happened within me as I was overcome by so many emotions, as I watched woman after woman after woman arrive to this clinic, every last one of them scared to their core. Tears streamed down my face as I watched each of these women go into this clinic, most of them alone, closing the door behind them and going up the elevator all of them so confused, many of them even having trouble finding their way to the elevator. How, my friends, is this possible? How is this possible that a place like this exists in our country? How is it possible that Christ came, that God was born into our suffering? Yet so many women are without hope. So many women without hope and the slaughtering of holy innocents continues, and in such large numbers. There is such a stark contrast between Christmas, the Christmas that we celebrate throughout this whole season, and the seeming indifference by so many as the Holocaust continues in our midst. Where were the crowds? Where were the crowds offering love and mercy to these women? Where were the people lined up offering hope and peace to these troubled young girls? Where were the many people lined up trying to calm their fears, offering them hope? Where were the crowds? One black mother after another entering this darkened place. One minority baby after another being destroyed. Where was the outrage? Do not black lives matter? Of course they do. We know this to be true to our very core. Today, my friends, is the solemnity of the epiphany. The epiphany, which means unveiling, manifestation, striking appearance of Jesus Christ, of course, of God made man. But it seems at this time, an unveiling of certain sort of battle lines. We, my friends, are at war. And there is an unveiling of who we are as well. Are we disciples of Christ or are we frauds? You, my friends, are on the front lines. You're on the front lines and there is no demilitarization zone here. There is nowhere to hide anymore. Look around. The church is smaller these days. Perhaps not here at St. Veronica's, we're very blessed by you, but you are the remnant that Pope Benedict XVI spoke so beautifully about. And I thank you for your physical presence. I thank you for your incredible joy. You do give me and Father Kleinman much hope. It seems that the whole lesson of this past year the whole lesson, if you will, of this pandemic came into focus for me yesterday morning. The veil many have been hiding under has been removed. There are no more Christmas and Easter only Catholics. Not this year, at least. Nope, not even on TV. 
but you, the faithful, are here, and you do truly edify me. And we are in a battle, and we are in this battle together. And to be clear, this is not a battle to bring about more violence. Our world is already filled with too much violence. This is a battle to bring about love, to bring about love and mercy, a radical love that brings about true and everlasting conversion, a battle that brings about true and everlasting transformation, a battle that brings about true and everlasting peace and joy. A battle that is not about abortion. Abortion is simply a consequence of us now living in a post-Christian era. We no longer live in a Christian country. We no longer live in a Christian country. So many look, look uh, well, they lack faith in God. We shouldn't then be surprised that we snuff out the lives of little children by the millions and many stand idle as our freedoms are taken away. Why would we be surprised when so many lack faith in the source of life and freedom itself? This solemnity is often called Three Kings Day, but this is not complete, for it is actually just the beginning of an unveiling. This is just the beginning of a beautiful epiphanizing, if you will, of Christ. Today, by these magi, by these three kings, next Sunday, this first week of ordinary time, through the Lord's baptism. If this were year A, the third week would be followed by the wedding feast at Cana, where the Lord would unveil his mission. He would begin his public ministry. He would reveal his power by changing water into wine. Why? So that we could come to believe in him. That week would then be followed by the feeding of the 5,000, a foreshadowing of what we do here in this Holy Mass, a foreshadowing of the most blessed sacrament, this food from heaven that he gives us to transform us more perfectly into his image and likeness. Today's solemnity, beginning of this epiphany, is a celebration of the manifestation of Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the whole world. And we are called today to make a choice. To make a choice to bow down and worship the King of Kings in humble confidence, as the Magi did so beautifully in today's Gospel, or to bow down to the world. To bow down to the world of self-centeredness. To bow down to the world that seeks pleasure of the flesh to bow down to a world who is filled with apathy, to a world that ultimately leads to emptiness. These choices, my friends, this clear choice is being offered to us today, here and now. A brother priest, Father David Charlin, spoke of this so beautifully on Facebook. So sadly, he had to remove this post because he got such pushback. But a couple of days ago, he said that the lasting sadness of 2020 for the church will not be that the government proclaimed that worship was a non-essential activity, but rather how many Catholics decided that the government was right. So sad, but so sadly true. The unveiling is occurring. Clear battle lines are being drawn. 
Battle lines between good and evil. Battle lines between faith and self-reliance. Battle lines between hope and despair. Battle lines ultimately between love and hate. Or rather, I should say, between love and indifference. Because hate is not the opposite of love. Indifference. Apathy is its opposite. Note how the character in today, characters in today's gospel react to their encounters with Christ. Herod reacts with hatred. Herod reacts with hostility. There are those who would gladly destroy Jesus. There are those who would gladly destroy the church he left us. Because he, because we, interfere with how they would like to live their lives. We make them uncomfortable. Sin, after all, is enticing, and trust can be very, very difficult. The chief priests and scribes in today's gospel act in the very presence of God himself with indifference. His presence didn't make the slightest difference in their day. The Magi, however, so beautifully, they respond to God's presence with adoration. They respond with beautiful love and lay their gifts at the child's feet and are beautifully transformed. The Magi, like all of us here in this Holy Mass, the Magi first came, we first come to give. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We give our very selves. Their gifts unveil who Christ is. Our gift today reveals who we are. Gold is a symbol of royalty and reveals Christ as king. Frankincense is used in worship. It is a symbol of his divinity. Myrrh, an aromatic spice added to holy oil, is the most radical gift of all. You see that it was not included in Isaiah's prophecy of the first reading. No myrrh is used to anoint Jewish priests and to consecrate the tabernacle in the temple but it's also used to anoint a body for burial. Myrrh is a symbol, therefore, of Christ's humanity. Myrrh is a symbol that Christ came to die for you and for me. Like Christmas was a radical gift, a gift that no one even dared to imagine, so too is myrrh. It is radical. It points to the radical nature of God's love for you and for me. It points to the radical nature of his desire for each of us. My friends, the Magi set out on the same spiritual quest all of humanity is on, a search that is literally built into our nature. The Magi's search led them to the precise place and the exact who they sought, only to discover that this who their Savior, our Savior, sought them as well, that he awaited them, that he awaits us. The Magi were very skilled at reading the stars. They were very good at finding their way. Stars were their maps in the sky. And each year on this solemnity, I am always reminded of a book I read so many years ago in MBA school, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So many millions of these books have been sold, perhaps many here have read it. Stephen Covey so beautifully speaks of paradigms. These are the frames of references we see things through. 
We see the world, how we perceive it. These are our maps. And he asks an important question. Suppose we had the wrong map. Suppose we had the wrong map. We were trying to navigate through Washington, D.C., but we had Philadelphia's map instead. Well, we could work on our behavior. We could try harder. We could be more diligent. We could make a very long New Year's resolution list. We could double our speed. Our efforts would only succeed in getting us to the wrong place faster. Or we could work on our attitude. We still wouldn't get to the right place, but perhaps we wouldn't care. Our attitude would be so positive, we'd have moments of happiness, of course, but we'd still be lost. We'd be lost and we'd be oblivious to our precarious situation, the danger that we were in. My friends, the world tries to give us the wrong maps. Contemporary maps, these terrible philosophy, philosophies are filled with so many errors. The error of individualism. We look at the world and ask, what is in it for me? The error of hedonism. If it feels good, I ought to do it. The error of minimalism. What is the least that I can do to get to heaven? Follow these maps and we will always be lost. But Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Follow him and never be lost again. Kids and you young adults perhaps as well, perhaps in many others, if your map causes you to think your dignity is determined by the number of likes you get on Snapchat, Instagram, or Facebook, and not on the reality that you are loved, that you are beloved, that you in fact are his, his children, you will never truly be happy. You will never truly find peace and joy that he desires for you. It's this disordered map that causes so many of us to lose our way and to think there is no way out. My friends, if we do not know that we are heirs to the kingdom, that every last one of us here are heirs to eternal life and everlasting joy, we cannot make sense of all the suffering that surrounds us. We cannot make sense of this pandemic and its sickness and death. We cannot make sense of the many financial struggles and the tremendous anxieties we are under. We cannot make sense of so many things. Cancer, infertility, the list is long, on and on and on. So many do not know who God is and what he did for them. It's not surprising there is so much violence in the world. So many do not know God to be a God of love and mercy and that his mercy has triumphed over judgment. It's not surprising that so many seek fulfillment in unhelpful ways. So many do not know God. It is not surprising there is such confusion about who we are. For God came to reveal himself to us, of course, but he also came to reveal ourselves to us. How can we overcome loneliness? How can we overcome depression? How can we overcome addiction and so many other terrible things unless we know who he is and that who we and that we are his, that we are heirs to peace and joy? We will always be lonely, my friends. We will always be depressed 
if we think Jesus ascended into heaven and left us alone. We'll never find peace. We'll never find true joy unless we know that he and the Father sent their spirit, that he and the Father sent their spirit to guide us and the church they left us, that he ascended into the sacraments, that he sent us into the sacramental font of this baptism here, that when we were baptized, that God literally began to dwell in our souls. But he knew that we would mess up after baptism. So he created the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of penance, this room of mercy, so that you and I could all be reconciled with him. He descended into the sacrament, the most blessed sacrament that we celebrate here and now, that on this altar, God himself will transubstantiate he will change at the level of its substance, bread and wine, to his very self. My friends, he ascended and sent their spirits so that you and I could have peace through prayer, that we could have an intimate conversation with the God of love and mercy each day. My friends, if we are often retreating into the fantasy world of our phones and laptops, we will never discover that the invisible world of grace, the invisible world of love and mercy is more real than anything else we see or experience around us, especially here and now in this holy mass where heaven and earth literally touch, where heaven and earth touch because God is physically present here. My friends, in order to, to uh, reach our desired destination, which, please God, is Christ in heaven, we must have the right math, and we must, guided by the Holy Spirit, read it correctly. We are being called to participate in an ever-unfolding epiphany of God's love, of his mercy, and of his power in a dark world that continues to desperately seek for such epiphanies. This is our call as Catholics. This is our call as Catholic Christians. Pope Benedict XVI so beautifully speaks of this. He says, the Magi set out because a deep desire which prompted them to leave everything and begin a journey. It was as though they had always been waiting for that star. We too, and you edify me in this, have set out. All of us, every last one of us, prompted by a deep desire, called all of us to detach from everything and begin a journey. For he does await. He awaits us and he guides us. The light of Christ lights our way. So we are being called to rise up. Rise up as the star from the east. Rise up as the Lord rose from the dead. We too are called to rise to rise up and allow the light of Christ to shine upon the darkness of our hearts and minds. The Magi encountered Jesus. The Magi encountered Jesus as we are here in this Holy Mass, and they departed for their country by another way. No one can encounter Jesus Christ and not be changed. We either fall more perfectly in love or we become hardened. Battle lines are being drawn. And whether we sought it or not, my friends, every last one of us are on the front lines. Be not afraid. The Lord is here. He is here. And he is calling us, all of us, to be instruments of his love and mercy. Calling us to reveal him. 
calling us to epiphanize him to another. May God be praised in all of our responses today. Amen.